everybody, and welcome to Podcast by Committee, the uh, the greatest podcast here at The Athletic, where we talk to our greatest resource, the beat writers, and uh, pepper them for fantasy information. Today we are talking the Miami Dolphins with Chris Perkins, who, uh, I don't know if, if you're listening to this, if you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, um, you can actually get it, there's a 40% discount with The Athletic slash PBC, but we do this beat writer kind of roundup every week where we ask all the writers a question about their team, and Chris Perkins stands out because he gives us like the longest, most nuanced answers. And it's, it's kind of amazing. Uh, it's a wonderful service he does for fantasy players. So, uh, so uh, first of all, Chris, welcome to the show. And thank you for like these, these deep nuanced answers that you give. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, I don't know if any of this stuff is, is relevant for fantasy players because it's the dolphins and they scored 10 points last week while giving up 59, <laughs> but uh, we're going to try to keep them relevant. Thank you. You know what? It's 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 crazy relevant in, in a way. Like there are just so many random weird things going on with a team. Like this could be a two hour episode. We're gonna try and condense it to the forty minutes as usual. But it's. I mean, it's. Well, first of all, follow Chris at Chris Perk on Twitter. Uh, good follow. Great guy. Um, obviously, he's doing the show and works with us. So uh, so I have to. I, I don't have to say that, but it's true. Um, it's implied. Yeah, it's just more or less. I didn't have to say that, but uh, it's at Chris Perk. Um, Let's jump in, man. Uh, first of all, how are you doing sanity-wise? How's this going following this team? Hey, listen, I covered the 2007-2008 Miami Heat that went 15-67, and 67, and I think that winning percentage is something like 188 or 183, and if the Dolphins go 3-13, and 13, their winning percentage will be around that same mark. But the big hope here is the Dolphins go 3-13, and 13, right? <laughs> There's yeah, no right. guarantee on that. <laughs> we don't the, – the, I guess – I, I usually start, the, there's a buzz, but this team has like four different things buzzing around it between the tank, the mutiny, the rebuild. But I think the big one is the line against the Patriots where it's it's 19.5 and a lot of people are just saying that should be more. Um, but you know what? I, I don't think people, are, they're kind of forgetting that the coach of the Miami Dolphins spent several years with the New England Patriots. Um, does that have any bearing on this game? He knows that system in and out. Uh, is that Are people getting fooled by just how bad week one was and forgetting like, Hey, we got a guy here who's strategizing against a team that he knows really, really well. You know, Nando, I think that is a factor. But but here's the thing with the Dolphins. They have no talent. I mean, that, that's the, <laughs> that, that is the big holdup in every game plan that they're going to draw up this year. I, I did a story on, uh, on, on Albert Wilson, the wide receiver for the Dolphins, who I, I thought was the best fantasy play on the team. And he got, uh, he got um, six plays last week against Baltimore, five touches. Uh, four four receptions and and one carry, but he had no room to run on any of those plays. They they're trying to get him the ball in space, which is every offensive coordinator's thing with with uh, Albert Wilson and and Chad O'Shea, the Dolphins' offensive coordinator, was able to do that against Baltimore. But every time Albert Wilson had people right on top of him, and and so that that's that's really one of the big things with with what Brian Flores is facing is that you can call any play you want, but are these players good enough to execute? Can they make a, a simple block? Can the offensive line make the reads and, and, and the communications with each other that are necessary to go against a blitz? I, I haven't seen it yet. And, and that's really one of the biggest hurdles when it comes to fantasy or this team scoring plays is that you can have the right play call, but can they execute? Yeah, you know what was kind of disappointing in week one? Um, there wasn't like, the, you know, you have the garbage time usually in fantasy when you're down by a lot and you, they just pass, pass, pass until they get like a, you know, an extra 14 or 21 points and you rack up some fantasy stats. That didn't really happen with the Dolphins. There, there wasn't that like uh, easing up and letting the Dolphins just kind of throw all day and, and you know, kind of get you, maybe not an Albert Wilson week, but, you know, some Devontae Parker extra touches and receptions and stuff. Uh, that, that didn't happen at all, which is kind of... No, no, and you know what? It, it, it's funny that you say that because even at halftime, I was thinking, now, oh, you know, the Dolphins are going to put up some garbage yards and Baltimore is going to give up and this game will end up being like 45 to 24 and people are going to go, ah, the Dolphins aren't that bad. No, 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 <laughs> the Dolphins are that bad. And so, yeah, if you can't even get the garbage time yards, you really have to wonder about the future of this team. But I, I will say this. They do still have the big play on their side, right? When you look at guys such as Albert Wilson and, and Kenyon Drake and, and Jakeem Grant and Kalen Balaj that, 
you know, maybe they can make somebody miss in space and they can use their individual talent to get a big play. But, boy, Nando, I, I, I'm with you. I, I thought there was going to be some garbage time and somebody would put up some a decent amount of yardage for the for the fantasy players. But, again, that didn't happen. So you're, you're kind of left wondering, man, what kind of season is this going to be? I Listen, I, I call me crazy. I still have these guys at 3-13 and because they do play the Jets twice and the Bills twice, and Washington comes here and Cincinnati comes here. So I, I think that they can catch somebody, an uh, uh, injury-prone team or, or something along those lines. But, yeah, that, that was an eye-opener that they never had those garbage yards in the second half against Baltimore. We know the, the other thing I kind of want to ask about this. I mean, it kind of has a bearing on fantasy or the report, you know, the mutiny reports of everyone saying they want to get traded. Um, and that kind of plays into, you know, maybe some of these skilled players are the ones, the unnamed, the unnamed players who are talking to their agents saying they want out of Miami. Um, is, is there a lot of truth to that? Is that just kind of a, a overdoing it kind of thing or the normal course of action? Or should we be uh, ready for, you know, more players to kind of be jettisoned before week five, say? No, no, I am I am just totally confused about this team right now. I, I thought the uh, the rebuild slash tank job had ended in training camp. And, and then you see the uh, Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills trade to Houston, which, yeah. look, the Dolphins, the Dolphins got good value, but they, they just keep going down. Um, you know, look, I, I know that Kenyon Drake has not had any contract extension talks. I think that would be the only guy when you talk uh, quote unquote mutiny among offensive players. I, I think that might be the only guy that we're talking about. There's a couple of defensive players that could be on that list, but I, I just don't see how they could really strip this offense down anymore. Kenyon would be the guy that if, if anybody gets traded during the season or, or if anybody is a little bit unhappy with their role on offense, I, I think he would be the guy, but it's going to be interesting this week because Albert Wilson has 16 snaps in the preseason. He played uh, 10 snaps in the preseason finale against New Orleans. He was targeted three times. So basically in in, um, in 16 snaps in preseason and regular season, he's been targeted uh, six times. That's 38% of the time. But I, I think his yardage total is like 28 yards on those six touches. So Maybe the Dolphins go a different direction against New England, figuring, all right, let's try to do something with Kenyon Drake and and see if he can break free in, in, in space. Or I, I don't know. I, I have a tendency to think that they're going to stay with Albert Wilson and, and what that does to Kenyon Drake. I don't know, but uh, I'm, I'm sure Kenyon would like to be a bigger part of the offense. We'll we'll see what happens and what works for him this week. But so far, it looks like Chad O'Shea really does like Albert Wilson. And, and again, We'll see if Kalen Balaj or Jakeem Grant or, or Kenyon Drake gets more touches. But I, if you're talking mutiny and, and offensive skill players, Kenyon, I think, is the only guy you can check that box on. And and I'm not saying that he's one of those guys. I'm saying he's the guy who makes the most sense as a possibility. Uh, you keep mentioning Albert Wilson. Uh, you know, part, part of the reason I think he took a hit during draft season was because of that hip injury and coming back. Um, was the reason that he didn't get a lot of snaps last week maybe because they were getting killed and they're like, let's not put out this guy who just got back from a hip injury in too many plays. Let's kind of you know, pull him back, get him working at practice and everything, and then maybe week two if we're, if we're kind of in it a little more, we'll give him a few more snaps. Is, that, is there still some kind of like a injury aftershock, I guess, with him? No, no. Uh, Albert, Albert told us that uh, before the, the New Orleans game, the preseason finale, that he was close to 100%. The deal is he left that game against Baltimore with a calf injury. Now, he was not listed on the post-game injury report, and I talked to him in the locker room. He was one of the last players to leave. He said he felt fine, but then he missed practice yesterday. And I believe it's uh, – boy, I'm trying to think of the exact uh, language. I, I think they called it like a, a hip-slash-foot uh, injury or or something like that on the injury report yesterday. So we're, we're going to watch uh, Albert Wilson today and, and look – you know, along with them not giving Albert any room to run, um, Albert has got to stay healthy. And this is a guy who did not go on the pup list, the physically unable to perform list during training camp. He only went through a handful of full workouts in training camp because he was not healthy. Uh, he was making his way back to health. 
And then we see him in game one and he, he gets another injury. So, you know, right now you're kind of keeping an eye on Albert Wilson and, and kind of wondering, was he fully healthy? And, and, and uh, is he in an injury prone stretch of his career? Just exactly what is the deal with Albert? Because again, Chad O'Shea likes him. Chad O'Shea has showed that he wants to get the ball in Albert's hands but Albert has to do his part, and the biggest part on, on his behalf is staying healthy. And we'll, we'll see if he practices today and tomorrow and, and what his status is against New England. But that's that's a bit of a concern right there, Nando. Well, you know, um, you know, looking at that wide receiver core, I mean, I think fantasy players have had this Devontae Parker love-hate thing forever, and it's just he's just waiting, <laughs> waiting for the breakout that never happens. Um, right. so, so we've kind of moved on to, like, Jakeem Grant, I remember – uh, I mean, it was probably you who wrote this last year. There was this great story about, I think it was during training camp, about how I think they put him outside and he kind of found his his role or his comfort zone there, like the way they were lining him up. And that turned me on to Jakeem Grant for the rest of the year, just keeping an eye on him. Um, kind of in the same way that Damian Williams was written about in training camp uh, last year too. Like it's just another guy I put on my little list to kind of remember. And Grant did kind of have a little mini breakout uh, for a little bit in the season there. Um, and fantasy players are buzzing about Preston Williams right now. Everyone seems to love him. Uh, could you, just, I guess, kind of help us break down, you know, outside of Albert Wilson, is is there anyone there who might, you know, could Preston Wilson steal 10 targets or could Jakeem Grant have, you know, three or 400 yard games this year? Is there, is there kind of any hope that maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick, who, you know, throws for a ton of air yards and, and kind of likes to cut it out. Uh, and he's a totally different story we'll get to in a minute. But um, is, is there anyone there like who just you know, might be a breakout or worth at least, you know, checking a box on? I think Preston is the guy who is who is growing in that area. You guys know that he was outstanding in training camp, outstanding in the preseason opener against Atlanta. And then they start promoting him and letting him run with the starters a little bit more. And he cooled off a little bit against Tampa Bay. They went up there for a couple of practices. Preston was going against Tampa Bay starters. He cooled off. Uh, Preston went against Tampa Bay uh, starters in the in the preseason game. He cooled off. Um, and, and so people started to back off of him, myself included. I mean, look, this, this guy is an undrafted rookie. And, and you know, once he started doing stuff in training camp and, and that preseason opener, people started saying, oh, boy, I'd rather have him than Devontae Parker. Well, uh, Preston cooled off. But this last game against Baltimore, he showed some stuff. And, and I was I was pretty surprised. He he made some nice receptions. Uh, had a very nice touchdown reception where he got both feet down in the end zone. Would have had another touchdown had the ball not been uh, not been knocked loose. So uh, I would say that Preston Preston Williams is a guy to keep an eye on. As far as Jakeem Grant, um, you know Ryan Fitzpatrick did go for him once. I believe it was in the second half. It was a, a large deficit, no matter uh, when it was, first half or second half. A deep throw into double coverage. Uh, as you were kind of alluding to, we know that Ryan Fitzpatrick loves to go deep, and that was not a high percentage uh, uh, pass, but he went for it anyway. So I, I think that shows some awareness on Fitzpatrick's part that, look, Jakeem is a guy who can go deep. He's a guy who does have big playability, so let's take a chance. I, I think you're going to see that with, with Fitzpatrick taking a chance on a lot of these guys. So uh, look, Preston is a guy who I would say is poised to be the breakout guy right now. Jakeem will wait and see. Devontae, look, I, I, you know, I think the big thing with Devontae is that he was a first-round pick, and and all of his production is is uh, framed against being a first-round pick. If he was a third-round pick, Devontae Parker would be fine. So I, I think if you let go of the first-round pick thing and, and, and all the potential he used to have or was supposed to have – you could just look at him as a decent receiver. He's actually a guy, Nando, who I thought was going to pile up a lot of garbage yards in the second half last week against Baltimore, but it never happened. But looking at those receivers, yeah, I, I would say, you know, Albert Wilson is still the guy. But if you're looking for a breakout guy, I would say Preston Williams has the best chance, followed by Jakeem Grant, then followed by uh, Devontae Parker. The tight ends, we're, we're just really not looking for much from them. Well, you know, um, well, I had, a, I had a question I want to ask you, but you mentioned the tight ends. And, you know, with all the offensive line kind of messiness and Tunsil gone now, are, like, are we going to be in one of those situations where they're going to ask the tight ends to block a little more than go out and catch? Like, is Gesicki, who, you know, maybe under a, a normal team with a normal, you know, middle-of-the-road offensive line, uh, it might be an offensive threat. 
but is he are they going to ask him to block a little more just to kind of help with with the with kind of the holes and the and the badness of the line or, or is that not are those two not related is he kind of in his own little orbit just as a tight end who's not going to do much regardless yeah he, he's on his own uh you know he, he's a receiving tight end he is he is not a very good blocker and and so you're going to have durham Smythe and, and nick o'leary doing most of the blocking and, and gasicki out there as a receiver and he'll be in line he'll be in the slot um he had a nice i believe 24 yard reception last week uh fitzpatrick went for him again uh running along running a seam route and the ball got deflected I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is a guy who can get the ball to a lot of guys given the time and he can kind of figure out here's what this guy does best in a certain situation. I, I think we're kind of seeing that now. I'm not saying I accept the, you know, expect Gasicki to have 70 receptions, but uh, the combination of Gasicki being a second year player now and Ryan Fitzpatrick being out there, I, I think he'll get better opportunities than he had last year. You know, Gasicki had that game uh, last year early in the season where uh, he, he's lined up in, in a um, in, in a in a red zone uh, a red zone offense situation, and Malcolm Butler kind of throws him to the ground. He picks off the ball and he takes it uh, back the other way, not for a touchdown, but he took it back. And I, I think that that was an eye-opener for Gasicki, and I think it stayed in his head that, wow, this is a cornerback, you know, not, not, a, not a safety or, or a linebacker, but this is a cornerback who can manhandle me like this. And, and I think he kind of got down on himself. But, you know, if Gasicki can just kind of allow himself to play and use his athleticism and, and those hands and that jumping ability and all that, I, I think he'll be okay he might turn out to be a guy like Devontae Parker in the sense that we're looking at him as a second round pick and framed against where he was drafted. Uh, his numbers might be disappointing this year. And, and that is a disappointment. Let's face it. The guy is a second round pick, but I, I, I think Gasicki is going to be okay. Uh, as, as far as, you know, a breakout season and I'm, I'm not seeing that right now, but he, he's definitely going to be the receiving tight end. Um, I, I actually thought Nick O'Leary might be targeted a little bit more, but I don't think that's going to happen at this point. I, for the for the tight ends, it, it's the sickie, and I'm not expecting much from him. You know, it's interesting. Just, just I mean, kind of 20 minutes into this, uh, you know, the team is, is bad, but it seems like there's a lot of talent. You know, it's it's weird. It's like you know, you're just kind of like, oh, all these guys kind of break out, and you know, th there's there's offensive upside. Um, but it's just not happening, right? It's it's just it's it's strange. Like you know, you think of a team that's bad, and there aren't many options. There, you know, it's kind of just blah. You know, this could be a very short show, but we haven't even hit on the quarterbacks and really gotten into the running backs yet. It, it seems like maybe under different conditions or different tweaks, there could be you know some talent and fantasy upside here. Yeah, well, I'll tell you this, Nando. One thing about this team is there's more potential than talent, right? Because right, Albert yeah. Wilson has never been a number one receiver. Devontae, Jakeem, uh, Preston Williams, uh, none of these guys are proven at tight end. Even at running back, I, the only guy that's kind of proven is Kenyon Drake. Kalen Balaj is in his second year. He didn't do a whole lot last year. He had that Minnesota game and the 75-yard touchdown run, but I, I think he rushed for 191 yards last year. Look, even if you go to Ryan Fitzpatrick, we know who he is, right? He's, he's not a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback. There's some potential, but there's not a whole lot of proven talent. And, and I think you can check that box on, on all of the skill position players on offense for the Dolphins that you see the potential. You see why they're in the NFL, but they have to show you a little bit more. And, and yes, uh, part of that goes for the offensive line this year and the personnel this year. But, um, you know, even last year, not not any of those guys kind of um, broached Pro Bowl status or kind of a head turning status. So yeah, it's, it's kind of an interesting team from that standpoint that, that you could convince yourself that there is kind of some playmaking talent and some star potential on this team, but we really haven't seen it at the NFL level from any of these guys. Hey Chris, um, moving to quarterbacks, just because I, I think we, we've kind of floated around this a little bit. Um, and here, I want to frame it like this, I guess in that second time, uh, sorry, second half in the garbage time, do you think, there would have been garbage time points if it was uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick in there for the second half and they weren't, you know, just throwing Josh Rosen out there to see what he can do. Um, or would that, would that just have been like hopeless no matter what? 
Yeah, I, that Baltimore defense was playing at such a high level and the and the Dolphins offense was playing at such a low level that <laughs> I don't think it really would have mattered. It, it was good to see Josh Rosen get in there. But, you know, Josh only played five snaps and, and uh, the Dolphins only ran 50 plays. But Josh played five snaps. He threw an interception on one of them and got a sack on another one. So yeah. he, he really didn't have a whole lot of opportunity to, to make anything happen. Um, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is, is going to be interesting from the standpoint of that gunslinger mentality. You know, we know who Ryan Fitzpatrick is. That gunslinger mentality is always there. And and can he get something on in, in one-on-one coverage and, and take advantage of it through kind of his veteran wisdom. And, and, you know, quite honestly, we almost saw that on the Dolphins' first snap of the game where they get up to the line of scrimmage and, and uh, Preston Williams is lined up wide right, one-on-one coverage. Fitzpatrick calls an audible. He throws an out pattern about 15 yards downfield, and, and Preston Williams is blocking his man. And Preston Williams sees the, the ball fall to the ground out, out of kind of the, the right side of his eye, and he turns around, and, you know, he never got the audible. And so that that's another thing that, that you're looking at, that, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick can take advantage of some of these situations and, and you know, put these guys into plays where, where they can take advantage of their athleticism, but they, they've got to recognize what's going on. So that's also part of the situation. That's got to be frustrating. Oh him. yeah, yeah, because that, that oh, was yeah, that I'll... was a play that could have gone for some big yards there. And and look, you you can kind of see what Chad O'Shea is trying to do. It it's not anything revolutionary, uh, but it, it's getting guys in, in advantageous situations. But in, in the case of Preston Williams, you've got to recognize it. In the case of Albert Wilson, you've got to have some help. Uh Albert again has had no room to run. When he's gotten the ball, there have been guys all over him because largely because of, of missing blocks or or um, mental errors on the parts of his teammates so you know that that's another thing that this team is is battling and that goes right back to the top with with Brian Flores and Chad O'Shea that you can call the right play and you can have a good game plan but you have to wonder do all of these guys have enough skill and have enough awareness to know what's going on and are they able to take advantage of these situations that that's that's got to be frustrating for Fitzpatrick Flores and O'Shea Hey, you know, this just made me think of something. Last week when, when uh, Sammy Watkins had that big play for Kansas City, um, you know, I watched it back a couple times. You saw Demarcus Robinson just have like a, like a great block on that play that I don't think a lot of people were talking about. They didn't bring it back and say, watch this. But as he's running up the middle, you know, you see, you see this guy come out of the corner and just block one of the defenders. Um, if, if the problem is getting, getting space, uh, are there like a couple wide receivers who might be like excellent blockers who might see more snaps because of that? And they might be specifically designed to helping create space for for Albert Wilson, or um, or is that going way too deep? Yeah, no, no, no. That's that. You're exactly right there. Look, there was a swing pass to um, to Albert Wilson last week, and um, you know Devontae Parker made his block, but Gasicki came. Uh, this was a swing pass to the left. Uh, Devontae Parker makes his block on the left side. Um, and 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 Gasicki, who is who is lined up, uh, he's in line on the left. He goes to block a a uh, a safety, but he runs right past the cornerback, and and Albert Wilson gets nailed for a two yard loss. Quite honestly, I don't know if Gasicki did the right assignment, and and Albert Wilson just couldn't make his man miss, or if Gasicki made the wrong block, but. You know, it, it's things things along those lines that that kind of uh, hold this offense back. And look, this isn't going to be any great offense, but give them a chance. And you know, look, if Gasicki can't make a a basic block like that or a basic read on, well, this guy is the more imminent threat. This offense is in big trouble. Uh, again, you know, Gasicki might have made the right the right play, and maybe Albert Wilson just couldn't make the guy miss. But, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things that makes you wonder with this team, like, the, can they actually execute what, what the, the, the play that's called? So, you know, you, you, you look at this and, and you say, you know, you kind of had the blocking set up, but the guys couldn't execute. Again, it, it gets back to do they have enough skill players? Uh, do they have enough NFL caliber players out here on the field? Well, two of them that they sent to Houston, I mean, like, was, was that – I mean, that's got to deflate 
Did they see it coming, or was that just like a deflating thing? Like, okay, we saw the rumors about Tunsil getting traded, whatever, whatever. But throwing Kenny Stills into that deal, kind of like, oh, by the way, take Kenny Stills, who could you know, our number one receiver this year, probably. Uh, right. I think that was deflating and, and it was surprising. I, you know, if you look at the two guys separately, Laramie Tunsil, who they didn't believe that they were going to be able to sign to an extension because they believe he wanted too much money. And Kenny Stills, uh, 27 years old, but was going to make, I believe, $7.9 million in salary this year, $6.9 million last year. Um, he probably wasn't part of the future. And then there is the, the, the Anthem situation and the Steve Ross and, and holding the Donald Trump fundraiser situation where Kenny Stills tweets that he's not, he, he doesn't approve of that. And then there's, um, uh, the Jay-Z, no, the Jay-Z situation. Thing, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of situations with this team. Nothing is simple with this team, but you could kind of see, okay, I could see Kenny getting traded away, but both of them in the same deal, right before the season yeah that that that's a gut punch for that offense that that's two of your best playmakers if you can call Tunsil a playmaker uh that that's two of your best offensive players gone right before the season and, and now guys are looking around like wow what what are we going to do i i mean good grief they've got Jesse Davis at, at left tackle now i mean it's these guys have just got to look around and just go man they they're not even giving us a chance and i i, I do think that there's a little bit of frustration from the from the offensive players, especially those skill players, just kind of like ah, you you just you're just leaving us out here on an island. What are we supposed to do here? You know, it's kind of like so we're in New York, obviously Giants country, and yep. you know we're not we're not rebuilding, we're building. Was you know was Gettleman's right. quote? <laughs> uh, but I mean, he, there was kind of a point to that, and that if you look at the Giants team, it's all it's the offensive line, the offensive line, the offensive line. And they kind of addressed that with a trade with Cleveland. And then, you know, they got Daniel Jones in the draft for, for the Eli Manning successor bit. But, like, the moves Miami's making, it's, it's like, like the rebuild is going to hit several different areas now. It's not like you just got to work on the offensive line. It's, you know, maybe you got to bring another wide receiver now without stills and, and just a bunch of different things. Um, is, like, is there, is there kind of like a point in the season where you think this group, you know, now totally altered without arguably two of its best offensive players, uh, yeah, will, yeah. Will, and, will, will gel, know, I mean, like you just shook up everything that you earned in the preseason and offseason and OTAs, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that that's that's kind of one of the big parts of it is, you know, everything that you worked on pretty much goes out the window from OTAs and, and mini camp and, and training camp because of the timing of that trade. And and kind of the, the, the other thing is when you when you look at the rebuild, how far is too far to strip it down, right? Look, you you drafted two offensive tackles in the first round in the last, what, five years, right, with, with Jerome James, uh, Jawan uh, James in uh, 2014 and, and Laramie Tunsil in 2016. I mean, you had your offensive tackles, and to, to let them go or trade them away, Jawan, they let go to Denver in free agency and Laramie traded to Houston – because they were going to cost you too much money. Well, what's what's the big picture here? Like good players cost money. You want You're your right. first round <laughs> picks to develop into good players, and yes, they're going to eventually cost you money. Uh, you know, I could kind of understand allowing Jawan James to leave because that was you know part of the the rebuild, and you got rid of Cam Wake and Ryan Tannehill and Frank Gore and Danny Amendola and Andre Branch and Robert Quinn, and we know that list of names and and kind of why they were let go, but. At a certain point, you you got to get a foothold. You can't keep stripping and stripping and stripping it down because when it comes time to the rebuild, as you said, you're going to have too many holes. You're going to have so many holes that this thing can't be fixed in in two or three years. You could be looking at a four year rebuild, and 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 that's too much time. We know not not a whole lot of coaches and and general managers get four years to rebuild it. You should be by that time four years in. You should be winning, you know, eight nine games and and kind of contending for the wild card. But but you look at how much they stripped down this roster, and and you wondered just how long is it going to take to rebuild this thing? They they've just lost so much talent. Chris, does this have anything to do with Adam Gase? I mean, he came into New York uh, and, you know, know, demanded being the general manager and everything, too, I guess, or kind of fell into that. Um, Did he have a lot of sway with like, are they just like, let's get rid of all these Gase guys and let's just rebuild it the way we want to now? Did he have a lot of input there? 
Yeah, well, Gase, Gase did have a lot of input on the 53-man roster. I mean, look, it was Gase's choice to bring Jay Cutler in, right? It was Gase's choice to bring Julius Thomas in. Um, you know, Gase is, Gase is a guy who has a certain vision for his offense, and he thinks that he can pull it off given the resources. Steve Ross gave him those resources, and, and he gave him the, the latitude to make these decisions on personnel but one of the things that, that Steve Ross, the owner of the Dolphins, did say during this offseason, and I think it was during the owners' meetings in Phoenix, they don't want the head coach to have that much that much sway anymore, that this is Chris Greer's uh, baby, the, the, the general manager, that he's going to be making most of these decisions. And, and so that's that's really kind of what we're seeing here is, is that, um, you know, this is a this is a situation where, you know, he, he can understand the head coach wants to get some of these people for certain reasons, but this pretty much goes to the general manager now. So we're, we're going to, I think we'll see some, some differences in, in uh, player selection. I mean, it's, it's hard to say right now because all they've been doing is, is taking away players and not necessarily adding quality players, but yeah, this kind of does go back to, to Adam Gase and from the, from the sense that, Steve Ross said, we're not letting the head coach have that much sway again. It's, it's, this is a front office built team as opposed to a coach built team. You know, just, just really quickly, and this might've been a better question, like, you know, two weeks ago when we didn't have like that first look in week one, but um, you know, fantasy players are interested in everybody and everything. What's, what's Gase going to do? Is there anything different? Like, I mean, we've kind of, I'm at least of the opinion that Gase, you know, might've been a, one of those great, like a Hugh Jackson-y type, awesome offensive coordinator, maybe not the best head coach. Um, is he going to do anything different in, in Jets land that would make you say, okay, let's upgrade like, you know, some of these players? Or kind of did he, is, is he is what he is, like a, an 8-8 eight and eight coach who's just uh, whatever, I guess. I, you know, I, I don't I don't think Adam Gase is going to do anything different. And kind of the way that I looked at Gase when he was here, he was here uh, 2016, 2017, 2018, right? 2016, he has this this offense that he wants to unveil. He he convinces Steve Ross that he can turn Ryan Tannehill into into Peyton Manning and they get it going. And, and it's it's a, the one and four start. And then Jay Ajayi emerges and for the rest of the season, they win either because of Jay Ajayi or the threat of Jay Ajayi. That opens up the play action for Ryan Tannehill. So they go 10-6 and six and they go to the playoffs, but it wasn't with an Adam Gase offense. So there's a little frustration on Gase's uh, side right there from the standpoint, this wasn't my offense that won. So you go into 2017, you, you get Jay Cutler because Tannehill is injured. They try to run the Gase offense, but look, you've got Jay Cutler who is brought out of retirement. He, he's not a quality quarterback. So that's two years where Adam Gase never gets to unveil his offense. Then you go to 2018, and it was just not a good season for the Dolphins at, at all. Uh, they, they end up finishing 7-9, and nine, and there's more offensive frustration. Ryan Tannehill isn't completely healthy. Brock Osweiler ends up starting five games. So I, I think I think Adam Gase's big thing is he's got this offense. He's got this vision for the offense. In three years in Miami, he never really got to run it for a 16-game season because, remember, Jay Ajayi fueled him in, in 2016 when they did have success. Then there were quarterback issues the second two years. I think that before you see any changes in Adam Gase, you are gonna want, he, he's going to want to see his offense with a quality quarterback who, you know, he's got Sam Darnold, say whatever you want, but he's going to want to see that for 16 games. After he sees that, then he would make some changes, you know, uh, whether it's doing more running or, or more whatever. But until you see Adam Gase run his offense for 16 games, I, I think you're going to see pretty much what you saw in Miami. Gotcha. Um, so we've, we've still got to hit a little bit on the quarterback and the running back situations here. Um, we keep getting sidetracked by fun stuff, though. Uh, <laughs> Josh Rosen, I mean, is this a is this a situation kind of like how I guess not to keep going back to the Giants, but you know Daniel Jones will be showing up at Week Four kind of thing, or is this like a you know you're just here for a year, figure stuff out. This is the Ryan Fitzpatrick team, hell or high water. 
Boy, I, I, Nando, I really feel bad for Josh Rosen from the standpoint of he, he's got to be hating the NFL, right? I mean, first of all, <laughs> he, goes, he goes to the Cardinals, who are just a terrible team uh, offensively and defensively. The offensive line is, is just awful. Then he gets traded to the Dolphins, and it's the same situation, right? It's just a <laughs> terrible team. Offensive line is awful, and, and he's really had no chance to kind of prove himself, all things being equal now, and said that Josh Rosen has to make things happen and he's failed to do that. And, and so I, I do think that a lot of this is on, on Josh Rosen because, look, I, I look at it like this. Uh, the Dolphins want Josh Rosen to be their franchise quarterback, right? Because you get him for a second and a fifth. That's great value. But Josh Rosen has not even showed that he's better than Ryan Fitzpatrick. And look, with, with, with all due respect to Ryan Fitzpatrick, and you know whenever you say that, you're about to rip somebody, right? Yeah, right. With all due <laughs> respect to Ryan Fitzpatrick, he, he's an average to below average NFL quarterback. And if you can't beat him out, I, I don't see how a franchise can look at you and say, yeah, he's he's our quarterback of the future. So that's that's kind of what Josh Rosen is facing that, like, I, I know you're in a bad situation, but you've got to help yourself, Josh. You've got to show that you're a at least a better quarterback than Ryan Fitzpatrick. And look, the, the, the coaches have alluded many times to Ryan Fitzpatrick's intangibles, right? That that his communication with the players is good. His his body language is good. And and we can, you know, and I know a lot of people ridiculed that when, when, uh, when Brian Flores said it a few weeks ago, but you take a game like Sunday as a perfect example, you're getting crushed. And, and Fitzpatrick is still out there trying to do things and, and trying to keep guys with a with a positive uh, positive outlook. And, and I know that uh, one thing that Flores said was during the preseason when things went wrong, Josh Rosen tended to kind of hang his head and then the players in the huddle are taking their cue off of him. So Josh Rosen has got to help himself. But uh, in, in the big picture, boy, he's he's got to be wondering what the heck this NFL thing is all about. Right. <laughs> The better days ahead. There's a rebuild coming, right? It'll be great. Right. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's right around the corner. Right around the corner. <laughs> um, just to kind of wrap up with, uh, with the running backs, I mean, we've got them in bits and pieces here, but um, do you have any indication, like, how is this going to play out, like, by, and again, like, midseason, like, week seven, week eight? What's that, what's that touch distribution going to look like or the snap distribution? And, like, are either of these guys going to be a thousand-yard total when the season is over or is it like a, just a true split on the horizon well that that is a really good question Nando. It, it you know it, it for a while there in, in training camp and preseason it looked as though Kalen Balaj was going to be the guy then Kenyon Drake gets totally healthy and and really in the opener uh he was more of the guy even though again the Dolphins only had uh 50 offensive snaps you know teams generally like to get you know 60 65 70 uh, snaps. The Dolphins only have 50, so it, it's hard to say how the distribution is going to go from the from the opener and even from training camp and preseason. Because again, Drake wasn't healthy the the uh, for for most of it. He got a, a foot injury against Tampa Bay in that preseason game and was pretty much shut down after that. I would I, I would say Kenyon Drake, uh, as far as fantasy purposes. That's probably the guy that I would look to 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 uh, get the better opportunities. Kalen Balaj is a more complete back, so while he might get more snaps, he also might be used as a as a um, as, as a pass protector when he's out there in passing situations. Kenyon Drake is not going to be used as a pass protector very often because Balaj is the better blocker. So I, I would say that. I would still lean toward Kenyon Drake uh, probably right now as, as far as somebody who could be a breakout guy because he'll probably get more more opportunities uh, in those situations. But look, I, I, I do think it's wide open too that both of those guys have to prove something. Uh, and, and you've got you've to have some help from the offensive line, um, you know, as far as blowing open some holes on your – "Quote unquote uh, traditional running plays for for both of those guys, so uh, I, it, it's going to be really hard to to tell what those guys can do until they get some help from their teammates. But right now, I would probably go more toward uh, Kenyon Drake as as far as a, a fantasy guy who is going to get the opportunities to to get those uh, to get those carries and to get the ball out in space on swing passes or other types of receptions." 
You're three and thirteen, Miami Dolphins. In a nutshell, <laughs> That's it, baby. You gotta hope for that. You gotta hope for it. You know, it's cool. We we can do this again, like in six weeks, and I think maybe we'll get just totally different. Like, there, it just seems like there's more crazy coming, right? Like, oh yeah, it just no, no, like there, yeah, there, there there definitely is. I mean, look, since since I've been, I you know, I did the Dolphins from 2000 to 02, went to cover the Heat for 10 years, came back in in 2012, and you know, since then we've had three coaching changes. We've had the the bully scandal. We had Hurricane Irma. We had the the seven hour lightning delayed opener last year. We had Chris Furster. We had Lawrence Timmons going AWOL. We had Ray Malaluga and 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 his early morning arrest during the season because he wouldn't pay a bar tab at like eight a.m. on a Saturday morning. I mean, it's it's just all kinds of craziness. And now we've got the the uh, tank job slash rebuild and and the the player mutiny and 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 all these kinds of things I, I i mean this this team stays in the news for the wrong reasons but hey thanks to that and thanks to fantasy people they're keeping me relevant nando so I'm gonna love it. <laughs> and chris you, you still get to live in miami right that, oh yeah and I, I do still get to live in miami that that hasn't been taken away so you know <laughs> if, if, if we're making this all about me i'm a happy man nando yeah <laughs> Um, yeah. Oh, suddenly. Oh, sorry. You got to move to uh, Hollandale. Sorry, man. That's uh, that right. It's, it's, it's <laughs> that's, right. that's right. Away from the water, all that. Yeah. No, yeah. we're not doing that yet. Um, Chris, we like to uh, we like to finish up each show with kind of getting to know the beat writer. Um, so I got ten questions for you. If uh, if you're game. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. All right. Number one. What's the last CD that you bought? Oh, oh boy. Oh. You're starting with a really tough one. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> boy, I, I don't even remember. Um, wow, it might have been like a, you know, I, I don't always buy, I, I wasn't always buying new C, uh, CDs. So it, it might have been like a Eric B and Rakim or a Run DMC. You know, I'm old, so I like the old school hip hop. So it, it might have been one of those, really. All right. Uh, number two, have you ever been in the Clevelander pool? Um, yes, I have actually, I have, uh, I, I, that used to be a spot that I would go at, at the, uh, at the Marlins game. So, um, yeah, I, I have been in that swimming pool. Yeah. Uh, number three, have you ever played Dungeons and Dragons? No, I have not. But you're familiar with the other Chris Perkins. Yeah. Yeah. As a, as a matter of fact, I am. Yeah. Because somebody, somebody told me about him once. And so I, I Googled Chris Perkins and I was, I was very hurt and disappointed to see that my name wasn't the first one that came up. So uh, yeah, no, that, that, the other Chris Perkins had me beat by a long shot. Uh, number four, um, you're in line at McDonald's. You're up next. What are you ordering? Oh boy. Uh, quarter pounder with cheese. Uh, large fries and a uh, either a sweet tea or a, or a lemonade. I might get the apple pie, but uh, no, the quarter pounder with cheese is solid. And and then uh, if I don't get that, I'll get the two cheeseburgers. And, and I used to be a, a, a Big Mac guy, but it's either quarter pounder with cheese or, or two cheeseburgers. Number five, uh, and I ask this because when you're up here next, I know I owe you a few. What is your drink of choice? Oh, I, you know what? I, I am a, uh, a, a guy who loves beer. But when I make my next statement, you're going to wonder, Budweiser. Yeah, Budweiser. Right. I, I love an IPA. I, I, I love everything else. A, a Hefeweizen. I, I, I love my, uh, you know, my, my uh, red beers, like, like uh, Red Stripe and, and, and all of that. But uh, at my heart, I, I'm a Budweiser drinker, and I make no apologies for it. I'm a Coors Light guy, and I understand exactly where you're coming from. There you go. I like that. Now, if, I, if I'm drinking liquor, it's, it's going to be a, a, a Tito's and Sprite with a lime, but uh, it's, it's usually Budweiser. Wow. I can't do, I can't do that with Sprite. I, I gotta, I'm, a, I'm a club soda. I'm a club soda. Oh, yeah. Yeah, see, I, can't, I, can't do the, I can't do the club soda. And I'll tell you the funny thing, Nando, about my beer preferences is, um, you know, I was uh, out uh, a couple of years ago with, uh, with Omar Kelly from the South Florida Sun Sentinel, who I used to work with for, for years. And, um, blah, blah, blah. We're talking with some other people and, and um, somebody, the, the topic of beer came up and I said, I'm a beer drinker and, I, and I, I love Budweiser. And Omar goes, no, that's a lie. I've never seen you drink a Budweiser. And I was like, well, oh, that's because every time that we drink together, we're on the road. And when I'm on the road, I drink local beers. So if we're in, you know, uh, Green Bay, I'm going to ask what's the local beer. If we're in Chicago, if we're in New York, you know, so he's only seen me drink local beer. So he, he thought I was lying, but no, I, I am a, a Bud drinker. Yeah. Oh, that's really, that's actually really cool. 
Um, yeah, well, that's you know that's that's one of the things I put on my resume. It helped me get hired. <laughs> Support the local beer economy. That's that's right, man. <laughs> I should I should do a story on the best local beers on the on the uh, NFL circuit, huh? You know, I think that would actually do. I would read that. That's actually a yeah, great that, idea. Yeah, that actually would do well, huh? Maybe I'm yeah. gonna have to do that. Yeah, I think you actually. I think you should. Come, yeah. <laughs> coming soon. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's awesome. Exactly. Exactly. Um, number six. Uh, what are you currently streaming on t- on your TV? Oh boy! Now this is this this is this is really embarrassing, man. Because all I all I stream are are uh, old shows. So I've got like uh, Martin. I've got like Frasier, I've got News Radio, like, and and these are all, you uh, know, obviously radio. 90s shows, but I, I've yeah. seen pretty much every episode. I also do uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm is another big one. But um, yeah, I, I've, I've never seen, I have literally never seen a second of, of uh, Game of Thrones. So uh, yeah, that kind of tells you where I'm at in my life, right? Well, I mean, just in, I guess in 20 years, uh, you'll be on tap for that. Oh, no, dude, I, look, uh, 20 years, I'm going to be all over Game of Thrones and I'm, I'm going to be <laughs> talking to people about it. And yeah, I'm not, yeah it's, people people are going to be going, yeah, yeah, kind of like <laughs> now. I, I, I'll tell you, my, if you look at if you look at my uh, DVR, uh, Sanford and Son, which is one of my all time favorite shows, that's the show that that I have uh, the most episodes of. So, I, you know, I, I really can't talk to anybody about relevant TV shows. I'm sorry. Well, you know, once the rebuild is done, you can start watching Game of Thrones. Now, they're, 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 they'll coincide, won't they? Yeah. <laughs> my, my timing with TV shows and the Dolphins rebuild. 20 years, baby. <laughs> uh, number seven, what's the longest field goal you think you can kick? Oh, boy. I, I, I know I would be good from, uh, from about 30. Uh, actually, let me, let me rephrase that. I think I would be good from about 30. Uh, that, <laughs> All right. That, that's probably, that's probably about it. That's probably about it. A glorified extra point. That's that's me. That's still pretty impressive. Yeah, I, th- I think I could do that. I think I could do that. Uh, number eight. Um, I've got five hours to spend in Miami. Uh, what's something cool outside of the obvious that I can go do? Oh man, you know what? Um, there, there's a there's a good uh, uh, God. Boy, this is gonna sound so weird. There's a good kind of fruit stand and vegetable stand called Robertus here down in Homestead, which is which is down maybe about thirty minutes south of Miami, uh, just before you get down to uh, Key Largo. Absolutely fantastic milkshake. You'll get all kinds of uh, exotic tropical fruits, fresh vegetables, and then in the back they have kind of this. Um, not not really a petting zoo, but they have animals back there. They've got like a turtle that's like 80 years old. Uh, they they've got birds. They've got uh, a couple of goats. Um, they so it's 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 kind of a it's kind of a wild place. But that would that would definitely be one of the places that I would go. Is is Robert is here? Uh, and then you know I know Wynwood is is uh, is kind of an obvious place, but um, it's it's kind of an artsy place that's that's come up in the last I would say eight or ten years here that. They've taken a lot of the attention away from South Beach, a bunch of uh, bars, restaurants, art galleries. They've got a graffiti wall out there that, that's really cool, graffiti all over the place. Mostly a place for the younger kids, but I'll, I'll go down there and I'll mix it up every now and then. Uh, and, and really, there, there's a place called uh, Hall Over Beach, which now part of Hall Over Beach is, is known for being an, a nudist beach. But on the other side of all over beach, you know, that there's a picnic area and there's some grills. It's an absolutely fantastic place to see a sunset. So uh, get out there, have yourself a couple of uh, relaxing beverages, throw some uh, whatever you want on the grill, some wings, some steaks and, and enjoy the sunset. So that, that that's, I'm, I'm always a very chill guy. There's not going to be nightclubs and stuff like that with me. It's usually going to be outdoors relaxing and uh if possible by the water but it always something chill and laid back Jeez, you should you should uh be like the chamber of commerce or something for miami that, yeah i know that's that's, that's another <laughs> yeah. thing so I, I gotta get the road beer story done and i've got to get in touch with the miami chamber of commerce but my, my no, i'm telling you that that road that's that road beer story would be a home run that would be that I, like I, I think a lot of people would read that that's really cool yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I am actually gonna get on that, Nando. That's 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 great by you. Thank, thank you for validating my uh, my little idea there. I think Beller, uh, Beller, our producer, would be all for that too. Dude, that's that's it, man. That's it. I'll, yeah. I'll do it. I'm gonna do it. Uh, two more. Uh, number nine. What's what kind of pen do you use? 
Oh, I that that's easy. I use whatever the Marriott hotel chains provide. So, so you're you like know, the eighth person to say that. I, I don't think that I've bought a pin in maybe a decade, something like that. I, I you know, when I worked at the uh, at the Sun Sentinel, they used to provide us pins, and then they stopped doing that uh, due to budget cutbacks. Go figure. So, uh, yeah, it's it's what I, I think the 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 Marriotts usually will have a big medium point uh, pin. And and so that's uh, whether it's the Renaissance or the Marriott or the or the Courtyard or the Spring Hill, whatever, whatever they provide, I swipe them, and that's what I use. And last one, uh, Chris, you're 15 years old again. Who's your celebrity crush? Oh boy! Uh, wow, uh, that's that's a that's a good one. Um, I, you know, Beyonce is going to be up there on the list. Uh, that that might be the one. She she might be the one. Yeah, if I'm if I'm uh, 15, I, I think I think Beyonce is is the hands down winner. As a matter of fact. Oh oh no! I actually meant let's go back in time to when you were 15. Oh, back who, when I was so who 15. Was, who was your celebrity crush? Oh boy, let's see. Uh, oh, you know it. it um. Uh, um, I don't want to date you or anything, you know. Like, you know. That, no, 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 no. I think we're, I think we're about Halle, the same Halle, age. That's yeah. Halle Berry, Halle Berry, I think was uh, was the one at that time. That's a winner. That's, yeah, yeah. I think that, that's that's got to be who it was. Yeah. All right, Chris, uh, man, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I know we tried a couple times. I'm glad we finally got to do it because uh, this was a lot of fun. Miami Dolphins. Yeah, man. man that, yeah, let's definitely. Let's do it again. And and uh, yeah, and, and hey, guys, you know I'll be up there back to back weeks, man. So let's let's try to make something happen. I can tell you where the best pitchers of Budweiser are here in New York. I don't have as poetic of a, of a you know five hours what you can do in New York, but I know a couple bars where there are cheap pitchers and uh, a, a good time. Oh, perfect, man. Perfect. Hey, I, and I'll tell you this, my my Saturdays on the road are are spent watching college football. I, I actually love a college football Saturday more than an NFL Sunday. So uh, if, if we do anything when I'm up there, uh, just just know that uh, while we're having a couple of cold ones, we are going to be committed to college football on, on that Saturday. <laughs> it's unavoidable at most bars here anyway. So yeah. no problem. No problem. Perfect. perfect. Uh, make sure you give Chris a follow at Chris Perk. Uh, don't I mean, I mean, I guess you can follow the other Chris Perkins, but do this one first at Chris Perk. <laughs> That's right. That's um, right. And again, if you like what you're hearing, you want to read them and possibly a beer story coming soon. Uh, Theathletic.com slash PBC gets you a subscription to the entire athletic for like 36 bucks, which is a steal. So uh, anyway, Chris, thanks so much. Uh, good luck this season. Uh, and hopefully we can do this again. Yeah, let, let's do it again, man. Hopefully, hopefully the Dolphins have a single victory by the time we do this again. Yeah, right. We're looking for three on the season. That's, that's, that's all. Just three. Just just three. Because this is all about me and my prediction, obviously. So, yeah, that's what <laughs> yes. this whole season's about. All right, Chris Perkins, thank you very much, man. This is awesome. All right. Thanks, guys.